Right, well, I've started recording forward, so uh, off you go. Right, uh, welcome everyone to uh, the fifth episode, I think it is, of um, the Batoba Sport Podcast. This week's a bit different. We've uh, we've chucked another one in as we need to test how to do this over over the internet. So we're on Microsoft Teams a minute, and Ford is is on is a man on the edge. Ford, would you like to tell our our listeners why you're a man on the edge at the minute? Well, it's currently it's Thursday night. Um, we were meant to be starting this this pod at uh, quarter past seven. It's now twenty past eight. Uh, first of all, we tried Zoom. Uh, my speakers won't work. Then we tried to get on Teams, and we couldn't get on each other's uh, Teams accounts because we were both uh, secured from work. Then my iPad only had five percent, so we had to change iPads. And we've uh, we finally got you at twenty past eight on a Thursday night. So if it don't record, I'm packing everything in. I'm not doing any more pods. <laughs> And in the meantime, I've made my way through half of the beer of the week, so it's, it's very good. <laughs> so, um, no, as as we like to do on this pod and kick things off, we like to you know check in on each other, see how see how the week's been. We're, we're about nearly a week into lock into lockdown 2.0. Um, are you enjoying the time off, Fud? I've enjoyed the time off to to just relax and and. Recharge your batteries. A bit gutted, obviously, because I haven't been able to get out and about and see people. Um, but it's been quite nice just to chill and spend time with family. A little bit deflated, obviously, because we had so much planned for the next two weeks, as in uh, recording the pod, but we haven't been able to get to it because of uh, the lockdown. But yeah, can't complain. It should be, could be better, but Joshua, could be worse, Matt. Could be a lot worse. Could be worse. Could be in America. Listening to them two idiots trying to go at it, Biden and Trump. But uh, Josh, how are you feeling, mate? Uh, I'm good, mate. Well, we're in lockdown 2.0. The uh, the lockdown 5Ks are back, fella. Yeah, the, I see that. Yeah, you're going well, mate. The standard thumbs up pictures back. Well, you know, after, after our last part, I've 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 got the target of of making Love Island 2021 now, and I. So yeah, yeah got it I, I, You know, as much as I want to go in with a drum, I have got to shave a little bit off it because. Yeah. It's take the piss otherwise, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's all right, mate. Lockdown 2. I said what I have done. I have I have purchased a PlayStation. Oh, I? Yeah, I haven't had a PlayStation in about 10 years, right? Because uh, I'm very much one of those that was like, you know, hate, hate games, consoles, it's ruining everything. If I want a game of football, I'll go out and play a game of football rather than sit there and play it on a fucking TV. Yeah. Um, but needs must, food. So... Bought a PlayStation. I bought FIFA, um, and Sam bought PGA Tour. It's a lot different to what I remember a games console being, fella. There is actually an art to it, I think. Yeah, it's like I play FIFA with the boys when I go up to um, when I'm in work and we have a bit of downtime. I'm playing FIFA with the boys, and I'm standard X, triangle, square, and uh, circle. That's what it should I, be for. I'm not all about these chips when the keeper comes running out and he's uh, rainbow flicks over the top. That's not it's, me. It's hold down L2, press triangle, circle, X to play a through all red ball. Yeah. I'm the same as you, but X, pass, circle to shoot, square to cross. Game's gone. Game's gone. Game has gone. Game has but, gone. Um, no, again, on the FIFA front, always the first one to make fun of those videos when people open them packs and get a brilliant player and they go fucking mental. I yeah. said, I'll, I'll never be like that. Just before we came on his pod, I thought we had Haaland. I saw the Norwegian flag and went fucking tits. 
<laughs> it wasn't Haaland. Devastated. It happens, mate. It happens. Well, it the qu- when the Quinn signed me, they thought they were getting someone decent, and then they had four <laughs> years of muck. Some chunky, some chunky, sporty, flaky uh, out and half, like chucking the through balls. They signed Ford and then he turned up and everyone thought he ate himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, for you looking trim, fella. I, I, I got my personal best, 10k, yes, 46 minutes or Tuesday, sorry. Hey, Ford, for, um, army tank, Ferrari engine, you are, fella. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just on a, actually on a sad note before we go and talk of running, um, we have expressed our um, uh, our feelings and our prayers, and but uh, for Gary Vaughan, who was a member of the Patol Batarias, uh, tragically passed away in a week. So all our thoughts with everyone at Harias, at Gary's family and Gary's close friends. So, Gar, when we have a, a beer now, we'll we'll send a toast to you. Top manga. Um, yeah, right, beer of the week, mate. Come on, uh, I need it. I need it. You need to be the week. So, you know, going on your text earlier, you wanted something spicy this week. Something to spice up a Thursday night in lockdown. Oh, yes. This week's pod takes us to the Czech Republic, Ford. See Peter Czech? Or? Did not see Peter Czech, mate. Obviously, he's back in the Chelsea yeah. squad. Great to see. Yeah. Great to see. But... Milan Barosh as well from Czech Republic. Uh, how, how, how can you forget Pavel Nedved, fella? Ballon d'Or oh. winner. You've had this legend. Exactly, mate. Right, we're in the Czech Republic. Uh, Prague. We're sat, imagine being sat in Prague. If we can't actually go there because it's lockdown forward, let's imagine we're sat in Prague Square. Yeah. The weather's nice. Lovely day. It's a bit crisp. we got jumpers on. It's nice. And I've ordered a Star of Praman. Oof. That's I, what I'm for, fella. It's that is to be the week. It's given many nicknames. Um, when you go down the, the stars, it's called a strappy, and when you go down the quins, it's a strap bomb because obviously you can't really pronounce it after a few. No, so, uh, pronouncing that beer then, I have to go into Remy Whitlock Morden, spell it out with my finger. Yeah, so, yeah. Shout out to Remy. Shout out um, to Remy. Yeah, so it's a standard 5%, but again, like many of the beers we've had on yet, it's not a 5%. It's no. it's a bit of a beast, actually. Is it, is some, it actually January 5%? Yeah, 5%. No chance. It's not 5%. Um, I promise to our listeners we will get like a normal lager on soon. This that's quite enjoyable to drink, but um, we'll stay with a standard 5%. Uh, the added bonus about doing this online is I've got a couple of screens set up, so I've got some information. Don't have to write oh, it down. Oh, so here we go, everyone. Sit back, relax, and buckle in. <laughs> The Star of Pramham journey begins in 1869, Ford, when the shares of a joint stock brewery in Smickoff were, uh, were offered for sale. The brewery building was completed and beer was first brewed in 1871. Fucking hell. Took them three years to get off the ground. Danger. The Estrava Brewery opened in 1898, followed a year late, uh, later by the Brannock Brewery. These two breweries would later merge. And then, then they were called Star of Pramham. Well, That's where he was born, fella. Uh, due to competition in Prague, the brand name Star of Praman was translated as Old Spring, the water source, not the season. It was registered in 1911. After the First World War, all three breweries saw a period of sustained growth. Great to see breweries sustaining growth in the middle of a world war. 
superb it, effort. It just shows this morale is, is done if the lockdown is a morale. That is unbelievable yeah. effort from him. Quality. Yeah. Quality. Um, to be honest with you, that's probably as interesting as it gets. I don't think it particularly needs any more description because everyone knows the beer and the yeah. effects it has. So, I mean, I... I've already cracked one open. I've nearly finished that. So I'll crack the new one open just for the, the noise effect. Oh, lovely. Uh, yeah, so the first toast of the night then, uh, Ford. Uh, it's a Gary fella. Hang on. It's a Gary. Oh, I tell you what. Tell you what. That, that might be the, the best one we've had. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether it's the trauma of tonight that's made it taste good, but you know. I do. I, it feels. I'm glad you had a strong primer for tonight because it feels quite nice actually. On a on a Thursday when I was coaching last year, we'd have a coaches meeting for selection, and Andrew would always keep a couple of beer tickets for the Thursday night. So it'd be a couple of strong primers and picking a team, and normally the team would pick itself. Um, so you'd have a couple of more hours enjoying a beer but it got quite heated sometimes when you had to there was down to a position and you didn't know the pick and straw primer it it solved everything you know i was about to say it's not it's not a beer for clear heads ford but obviously obviously i'm wrong in that department fella but how, how could you forget a thursday night obviously followed by a trip down the cricket club to watch the mighty die sage in the darts ah it would uh, tell you what what Thursdays? What Thursdays are about? It's half past eight now. We've probably just finished the, the trebles, been to the doubles, we're, and we're sitting here. Ben's um, lost the change room again. Yeah, Ben. Ben needs to go. If, if we have a dart special, Ben needs. A, he's going sacked. Ben Davis has got the safest job in sport. Yeah, well, like they say, Chad, they've been unbeaten now since March, so the darts are going well. <laughs> Uh, right then, Ford, what's on the agenda tonight, fella? We're going to, obviously, like I said earlier, we're a bit uh, disheartened because we had so much lined up over the next two weeks to, to record and send out in, a, in um, a week after week leading up to Christmas. But because of the fire break, we've uh, kind of had to put everything on hold. But there's one topic we really want to talk about and we could do during these times, and that's junior sports. I know we've mentioned it uh, quite a bit in the first couple of um pods but we're really going to focus on it now and especially uh the running costs um and how you can uh keep a junior sport afloat and what uh the participation numbers are like so we're going to delve into that today um josh you could certainly say for you and myself and we've already said it on this pod a number of times junior sport and sport in general has made a massive impact in our lives and um would you see your life now without sport and without junior sport growing up oh well to be honest growing up in junior sport that's all, i think that's all i'd done really growing up um it was literally school training back into school go to rugby training back to school go football training school next day cricket training anything um i did see a quote today actually which well, it was it was like a store. It was a headline to a article. It was uh, around Alwyn Jones breaking the the cap barrier on Saturday. Come in, yeah. Um, and it said that every 
you know, every superstar, every sportsman, every sportswoman there's ever been, they've always started at a club. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I thought that small sort of description of what it is basically sums it all up, I think, when all these arguments around grassroots sport and junior sport uh, kicks off around funding and things. I think that, that pretty much settles the argument, I think. If, yeah. if, if you talk about it that way, you know, every sportsman, every sportswoman, professionally amateur, has had a, a grassroots club to start that. All right, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe you can go into, you know, especially where you're working, or maybe private school, maybe, you know, some people don't have a club, they go through the school system, but, you know, the big, the vast majority of people, everyone has a club. Yeah, and look, you even even when you're playing in the uh, middle field of the prep school or in the senior school, you've still started with a club, and it's the same uh, I think Ryan Jones probably one of the prime examples. Ryan Jones didn't play until he was an older guy, um, but he started. He played the uni, but he also played at a club before he went to the Ospreys. So if I'm, uh, uh, if I, well, I might be mistaken with Ryan Jones, but didn't he? I'm sure he was a goalkeeper when he went to uni. When he had he had trials for Bristol Rovers and stuff. I'm not too um, sure. I, I think I know he, went, he, started, he didn't start playing till late. Yeah, I think. I'm pretty sure I've read somewhere that he he, he went he, he went to uni obviously playing in goals, yeah. Um, and just start, obviously started playing rugby at uni, obviously with the size of him. Um, and yeah, it's probably one of those stories in it. You don't hear many of them going in that late to a, no. a sport and doing so well, but it it does show though, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, exactly. I think it's and and I what I can say about junior sport is really shaped my life, as in my job is rugby. Um, my jobs around PE, it's around sport. All my jobs have been around sport. Or every Saturday is around sport, even if it's the summer or the winter. Um, and I don't know if if I'd be able to. I don't know what my life would be like without sport. I've I've tried to question that during lockdown or what my Saturdays would look like without rugby or cricket. And uh, I'd I'd say they are they want to be really much enjoyable as a life. Um, especially then in junior sport, I think I spent the whole weekend down down stars, especially because my mother and father were working and running the bar. Um, so junior sport is probably everything associated with my life. And now coaching at a junior level, it is still it's massive. And we look at that, and that's where you find your next talent. And like you said, with Alan and Jones, everyone starts somewhere. Um, you look at. Um, like people like Gary Neville, Phil Neville, they always talk about starting at certain boys' clubs and then going into Manchester United. This is a special thing in junior sport. And it's, if you have a good experience with it, it can have a real positive impact on your life, not just in your sport, but in your in your work and whatever you do and, and the values you get from, from playing sport at the junior level. I think, well, I think, especially that first lockdown, I mean, you know, I, completely understand sports or you know for everyone you know and i completely get that you know but yeah. i think sitting in our first lockdown and i was talking about oh man but i was like you know in a joking way i was like what what do people do who, you know who're not into sports or things you know especially when everything was off to start with when you're just completely gone there's nothing on tv you know i was sat there going like i generally don't know what else to do here yeah because I mean, as, as you said there like you like um, social groups is based around sport. Yeah. Every, I, I think everyone I met, about ninety percent, ninety-five percent of people are all from sport. 
yeah. or I've met or I've met through different clubs or different teams or played against or, or whatever. Yeah. But I, I think at the same time, I think when we're younger, you don't, you, you don't realise because you don't know what it is. But, you know, the skills it teaches you being in a team sport from a young age. So, like, you know, the social skills, being able to talk, being able to communicate with people correctly, um, you know, sort of disciplines. It, it Like, for example, you go to the, you know, you look at the Bulldogs now do so much work with getting youngsters in to have yeah. an outlet, to have a hobby, to learn discipline. All of that is then taken into, you know, the real world in terms of employment, um, how they conduct themselves, how they hold themselves and improve themselves as individuals. I think from a young age, you, ne- you don't even understand that, do you? You just, you know, no, you turn up, you just, you're just with your mates and you're just having a laugh. I think it's only until you get to sort of our age or, you know, Early in that, we've started to realise how how much it's affected your life in terms of the skills it's provided you with to move forward in um, you know employment and in, in other certain areas. But what I find with sport is whatever's happening in in from like a professional or like a professional lifestyle in terms of like your work and stuff, you've always got that to fall back on. Yeah. So you know if things are going you know things are a bit shit like they were in lockdown, you know as soon as the cricket started back up. That was everyone's outlet, wasn't it? Yeah. So absolutely. if you had a bad week, you knew at the end of that week, well, I'm just going to go down a club, sit with the boys or sit with the old heads and just chill out, have a laugh and just forget everything for a little bit. Yeah. It, it provides, you know, we touched upon mental health last week. It, 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 you know, it, it, it morphs into that, doesn't it? It provides yeah, you with an out for your mental health to you know, sort yourself sometimes, just have a blow. Absolutely. I I think especially um, to pick up, pick up on that point, um, Obviously, last year, uh, I was coaching Swans University and the Quins. Um, so on a Wednesday, we might have had a, a shit game. We might have lost. might have been proper uh, woke up Thursday, feeling a bit down in the dumps. But I knew on that Thursday night, I'd be coaching and training with my mates. And uh, even though I didn't play with them for most of my junior sports years, because they were a year younger than me, I grew up with them as well. So every the main uh, core of that side... I've grown up with playing sports or playing against, so it's quite nice on that Thursday night knowing that I'm going to see boys. Is it, and it, you get excited to go down. That's like sometimes when it's pissing down a rain, you're still excited to go training just to go and see the boys and have a bit of banter. And that's an outlet, and it always is an outlet. I think, especially now, with I'd like to touch upon again the mental health with kids. So many kids having mental health and the increase in mental health. That junior sport and that training on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever it is, or playing on a Saturday and Sunday, it should be an outlet for them without them knowing at the minute that it is an outlet. And that's that's what junior sport done for you. We, we, I don't know if we're waffling on about a bit, but, but I just think the importance of junior sport and the importance of growing up in a sport environment for me was massive. And now it has a massive effect on on what I do and, and what my mates are doing like in the summer as well like I say and you've said as well if we're having a shit day you go to nets you go and see the boys you get a piss lift out of it and even though they don't know you've gone for a shit day they've been your mates in six, seven, eight playing cricket with them and that's, and you you feel a lot better after an hour and a half talking to them oh yeah definitely maybe not talking to Bynum but talking to the rest of them yeah you feel a lot better I mean everyone else yeah 
Yeah. Although, although maybe looking at Bynum, I do feel better about yeah, myself. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what I used to enjoy going to Queen's Street. I knew I looked at Bynum, but I couldn't be that angry. But, you know. <laughs> but like, in all seriousness, I think that point move like sort of moves this discussion on quite nicely, actually. Around, I think we, you know, we've spoken on the on the other pods about the importance of of junior sport. We've just touched upon it there. But obviously, moving into the COVID situation, I think when this started back in, you know, late March, you know, I th- I think all of us thought by now we, it's, it, w- it wouldn't be happening. We'd probably be back to normal. That might have been a bit naive, but I think majority of people think it was oh, November. We'll be back, like, yeah, so, you know, a couple of months. But but moving on, I I think the first pod we done it was it was sort of in that middle of the summer when it and we talked yeah. about how COVID would have an effect on junior clubs. I think the first the first thing that we've seen that has shown the effect on it was how split the governing the governing bodies of each sport have been on this. Um, we did touch upon in the last part, I think, briefly, but going on to it around, obviously, the WIU stopped rugby, didn't they, initially? Yeah. Right? Um, at a junior level. So, you know, let's let's forget senior sport for a minute. So, a junior sport, the rugby, WIU stopped all junior rugby, but the FEW didn't. Right? Now, has that had one a positive effect on football clubs around you, where all of a sudden they've got a ridiculous influx of of kids? All the rugby kids are now playing football. They've had two months of playing football, and that's the only thing they've played. Do you think there is an issue there where the majority of those kids are going to go? Do you know what? I think I prefer football now. Yeah, there is. There could be an, um, a a point for that, um, especially because it's so easy. As like from a rugby stance point, the biggest challenge for us as a coach for junior level is getting getting engagement. So once we've got the engagement, it's it's the hardest part done. Then it's getting them to play. Obviously, if they have the um, look of football, because football's the rules are so much simpler, and that's why I really enjoy football because the rules are so much simpler as well. You can chuck chuck a game on a football, and you don't even have to be watching it. It can be in the background, but you always can just switch on to it. And the ref, even though there's inconsistencies, the refs are pretty consistent as in what happened. That could be the biggest thing for a rugby point of view, that... Once they get lost and once they get engaged in football, it's hard to bring them back because of the rules and trying to get them in for certain things. And uh, it's a bit more stop-start, especially if you're starting new because you've got to pass backwards, you've got to get the offside law and that. And I think that's probably a massive effect on on rugby, especially in this country, because it, the, the engagement is not there if it, they stop and, and other sports start. Like, how, how, how easy it is to set up five side? You need yeah, exactly. a ball and ten players, and then you can put you can even put like jumpers down for goalposts, and you've got a five side game. Well, at but, a very young age, there's essentially hardly any rules there. No, it's not. You, it you know, you remember you remember playing at like under sevens, whatever. You just yeah. used to run after a ball yeah, for however long. There's nothing, and that's and that's what's great. I that's what I love about football. It's just go out there and play. We can, you can do it to a sense in rugby, but there's so many uh, safety aspects. You can't like you've got to get them engaged first. But football, it's like, and that's what I love. You watch them go, there you are, 
go and, and play. And and that's what's great. And that's what probably could have a massive effect on Welsh rugby that they uh, put a halt to it. No, it was a halt, but they put a halt to just just play. Like, but that's the biggest thing for junior sport as well. That's just play. I think obviously, obviously the biggest thing around this COVID is, is I don't envy anyone in any sort of position of power in this. No, absolutely. Um, in, absolutely. in terms of like the Welsh government or, or whether you're the decision maker at the WIU or FEW, like whatever whatever route you decide to go to is going to be wrong, isn't it? right? So I understand yeah, that, yeah. completely understand that. And I understand, you know, obviously the bigger picture here is there's people dying of this disease. We want to stop it. I get that, right? But do you think the WRU, with that sort of decision they made very early to stop junior rugby, do you think they've shot themselves in the, in the foot a bit there in terms of the amount of work that's gone on over the last, you know, X amount of years to drive that uh, participation up and get kids started from a young age? Do you think this two-month block now where there's been no rugby, um, these kids have played cricket all summer, they've gone straight into football, for two months, all of a sudden they're in a routine of football. You know, as you said, there it's an easier game to understand. There's not a lot of thinking behind it. You just turn up, play. Do you think that's going to set junior rugby back by more than two months, or do, or do you reckon it's the type of thing where as soon as it starts, it just click back in? I think it'll have, definitely have a setback. Um... I still, to this day, don't know why they put a block in it. Like, I think they shot themselves in the foot saying it so early. Um, you you look at all, especially for under-11s, all the rules for the social distancing, for, for the mask and that, they don't apply to under-11s. So even if they'd said, look, anything under-12s and above is blocked, I would have said, yeah, I can see a bit of reasoning. But to block everything was an absolute... I, I don't know why they've done it. You Like, such rugby... Look, you're not going to... There's less chance of touch rugby. It's like football. Like, you're going to have a little bit of contact with football. <coughs> it's like, it's like touch rugby, there's not much... You can... I don't think, personally, there's not much uh, risk in touch rugby. So, if you had said to them... Like, look, if a club has got COVID because they're not following the the uh, restrictions it's their own thing to blame you can't I, I can't see why they blocked touch rugby for 16s and below when every other national governing body to extent was saying right we're going to play until we get a thing from the government because it's it's been the same since uh, since the start WIU have had their own their own uh, viewpoints on it I remember when the national governing body said that up to 30 people were allowed to exercise. WIU said to the clubs, you're allowed to go and exercise, but it can't be sanctioned as a rugby training session. So I know we went uh, for a little game of touch rugby on Western Avenue because we couldn't go on the Quins because it weren't sanctioned as a... Uh, it, it was exercise. Yeah, so it was a little session. It was, it was in the eyes of the, eyes of the Welsh government, it was fine. In the eyes of WIU, we weren't. So I don't know what, what they've shot themselves in the foot by going really early and not letting the kids. Because, look, there's no social distancing in schools. There's not. No. And let's be frank about it. They try in everything. But you try and tell a kid that they can't go and speak to a mate who they haven't seen for six months. 
it's not it's not going to work. No. So that short hour of exercise after after school is not going to have a high impact on on the COVID risk. No, and if yeah, I think <laughs> without going into politics because I'm in no position to talk about politics, no, I don't no. I don't have a clue what's going on, right? But I think obviously the the biggest problem I think in in the simplest terms possible is there's been so many mixed messages out of the government in terms of what you can do, what you can't do, all of this. Um, it it does put governing bodies in a in a in a tight situation. I get that, but yeah, I think on like looking back and hindsight is an amazing thing when you can look back and decide. But I agree with you. I think the WIU making a snap decision to stop it whilst you know like your cricket. And we've said before, Cricket Wales done a superb job in getting cricket back on through all junior levels, and the work done by a lot of clubs, not just at and South Wales, was you know tremendous in getting on. And and junior football has been the same. I think you know the amount of stuff we've seen through our Twitter account forward yeah. around like football camps and things. You know, it's up and running. It's run safe. You know, touch wood, not seen anything. You know, in the headlines around any junior sport have caused any you know any infections and stuff so it'd be interesting to see it'd be interesting to follow it as as the, as the months you know crack on now because we're sort of getting into winter when you know all the playing fields around you should be full with games from nine o'clock in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon but you know we're not going to get that for a while i get that um to the listeners you know I, you know me and for promise we are going to get people to represent junior sport on you um, yeah. from junior football size rugby cricket you know whatever it may be um, we're just sort of starting the conversation tonight purely because we obviously we can't do this face to face that we'd like to do. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks we will do. But it's just sort of get starting our conversation around junior sport now. I think another point which we've touched upon in other podcasts is um, around the price of junior sport. Yeah. Sure. Um, so you know, take out the COVID uh, situation. If, if if we imagine a world where COVID isn't a thing and everything's back to normal. It's spoken on all the time. Um, I think the cost is is a big thing. We put a poll out today, Ford. Yeah. Josh, you read it by mind because I literally just got it up as well, mate. We, we you know, even though mate, we're not in the room, we're still... It's I, tell you, I tell you who we like at the minute. We're like the fire and ice partnership in the Premiership, mate. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and Ida Good Johnson. Uh, oh man, now we're now we're speaking my language. What well, we can have a toast then because they, they talking to junior sport. They were my childhood. Fire and ice. Fire and ice. Love it. Oh, well, anyway, uh, we sent out a poll. Obviously, uh, is the rising for costs of facilities such as uh, 4G's, Astros, sports hall, the cost of kit, including boots, playing kit, etc., causing a decrease in participation in sports. There was a out of thirty nine votes, there was quite an obvious win. There was yes with eighty two percent. I love the four G as a facility. I really do, um, especially for junior sport. No, I I enjoy playing on it because uh, it gets the last... game on, or doesn't it? I think yeah, the bottom absolutely. line of whether it's a good surface for. I mean, it's a brilliant surface for running rugby. Yeah, tremendous. Absolutely. But I think you know. Whatever your feelings are about 4G's a surface, I think the main like the main function it provides is it gets games on yeah, for all absolutely. ages. I think uh, from a senior stance point, the last game we played before lockdown was 
seven sisters on Bill Baglan's 4G. And if we didn't have that, the game would have probably been off. Uh, and it's probably one of the most enjoyable games because we could play running rugby. But as a senior, you could have the flip side. We picked the side on the Thursday. We had to make four changes because four of the boys had had knees, knee problems and they couldn't play on 4G. So that's as a senior sport. For, but for junior sport, it's it's amazing. Um, yeah. You, you can play, like, you can play football, play rugby on it, you can play bloody whatever you want. You can play outdoor netball on there. Play hockey on it. You can play hockey on it. Um, it it's, it's amazing. And what it does for the community as in training is is pretty straight it's, it's amazing that's a straightforward um i love training on it we train on it on a thursday night and when it's pissing down the rain the last place you want to go is abraham and quinn's it's it, it's it's just you don't want to go out on a thursday night when it's pissing down the rain so it's nice to have that we train on big baglin which is quite nice um we spoke to uh, a junior coach from from the area then and asked about um, this cause, and he said we asked him about how expensive it could be running a team, and he said his his reply is running a team can be expe- as expensive or cheap as you wish. They want the they want the best for their lads, so obviously they do a lot of fundraising. Um, when he said when it comes to three G through the winter they're very lucky because it combines all the mini boys and girls club at the same time so all all the ages are training at the same time so the club yeah. pay for it and they share out the cost which is it's, it's great the only argument for that is um what if your what if your junior section only has two two teams yeah uh, that's that's one question is because if you're a if you're a thriving junior section who've got teams from under seven to under sixteens, you can you can deal with the financial cost. If you're a team like say somewhere like the Arvin United or Margham Stags, and where Margham got a junior section. So Arvin United or your St. Joe's old boys or or someone wants to uh wants to have a junior side, they only got one junior side, well they're gonna struggle with financially, aren't they? So, you know, it's it's the question is how how many teams do it does it need to actually cover that financial cost? I think, like honestly, looking at the co- the prices of higher right for four Gs for matches or, or as you said, block training sessions. Say you book out like four hours of training right on a Monday night. At the same time, mind with the facilities around Bristol, but you've got to be the first in, like yeah, to, yeah. like to get, you know they fly out the door. But I mean, the prices per hour is how you order it. Oh, in, in terms of what you're doing, right? And you know, Rory, you know, Rory brought this up, and, and Rory's quite pra- you know passionate on on this point about the prices of stuff. But as you said, that if you come from a big club with a big junior section who are willing to put X amount of money in on a Monday night, right, to block out three hours, great, Fant- super, yeah. fantastic. If you're a junior section that says, you know, for argument's sake, might not have a team in every age group, you might have three teams. I mean, the price, the price an hour, right? For say, if you've got fifteen kids, fifteen kids in a team want to train for an hour, and then you're looking at like eighty quid, right? It's that's ridiculous. And back on your point around four G, right? Four G is 
an unbelievable surface for kids, especially, right? It gets a game on. You don't have to worry about games getting called off. It gets people involved. Brilliant. Facilities now are a lot better than when we were growing up. I yeah. mean, when we were training, you know, the best surface we could train on was like Lido AstroTurf. I yeah. used to come off there, half your skin ripped off. But that was the best service you could play on, right? Mentioning the AstroTurf, they've just had a good... Uh, they've won the money to revamp it, which is really good, because I used to love going down the AstroTurf, as probably you did. And it's a, when I seen a couple of pictures a couple of days ago, it's a sad state of affairs, where it's looking like now. So brilliant work for Lido women to get uh, that AstroTurf money. Oh, superb work. It's, it is about time that that facility was revamped. Um, I think the last time I was down there, um, yeah, it caused me to rip my ankle ligaments in half. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad us being uh, relayed. To the Astro yeah. To the Astro I tell you what, that does lead me on to something I was going to mention in this pod, but it, if it's in lovely now, we've mentioned that. Um, I'm, it, it is sort of around junior but we will go back to it properly. But um, I was thinking the other day, on Twitter, when we were saying, the Bagland Boys Club were uh, tweeting about the kids' courses down there, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember going on M courses in half term run by Mickey Miles? Yeah, Mickey, Mickey yeah. Miles Soccer Schools. I I went to um, the ones I used to go to. Phil Phil Holmes sent us on um, our recommended one. We went to Landarcy. We did with Darius, is it? Yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember that. But yeah. I, I was Mickey yeah. Miles was the man, mate. They, they like I you, like I got to admit, like one of our. To me, he was in uni with me. I knew him before uni anyway. Bringing us on to initiatives like that. Um, Kane Owen doing goal getters. They're out of Evans Bevans now for junior coaching. And all I get is good news on, on Facebook, which is really good. Um, it's just giving the kids an opportunity for extra coaching. Well, and it's um, that's like what we need. the summer schools. Mark Cox runs yeah. through the Potomac Crick Club. That's always. Yeah. It's always great attendance. I think they run one in um, over winter and Easter as well. And it comes yeah. back to getting kids, you know, participating, doesn't it? That's the hardest part, yeah. getting them involved, interested, and then going from there. Yeah. Um, talking, talking of participation. Obviously, we've we've um, brought it up with a couple of coaches, um, and you mentioned the PlayStation earlier. Uh, what's your views on uh, participation in in junior sport now? What with especially with the more uh, modernized like like we mentioned the other day about EA, EA Sports and e-gaming there's there's a big massive world tournament now you can win millions and millions of pounds on being good at FIFA do you think that's affected the participation of uh, junior sports oh look I think our opinion here is is very limited on this um, and this is where it would have been ideal to have guests on from representing junior sports to give us a bit more of an insight on this so this is purely this is purely something from the outside, right? And, and this is my feelings on this because I've got strong feelings about sort of the e-sporting uh, movement that's happening, should we say? Um, and how much you know how popular it's getting. I, I do think it affects participation. Um, I think you know, as I said before, when I was a kid, if we wanted to go play rugby or football, we put a coat on, grabbed a football, I, I went, I went to Western Avenue. Right, yeah. and I kick around. Um, you know, going into other stuff around childhood obesity and, and and stuff like that. Right, it's it. The way I look at it, I don't think as many juniors are getting involved in sport, a proper sport as they should. 
because it's far more easier to click a button and turn a games console on and play FIFA or whatever. And what doesn't help, as you just said, is every every time you click on Twitter or the news, there's professional esport gamers that are the age of a 14 winning 20 million quid right? yeah. playing FIFA or Fortnite or whatever it is. I mean, as a 14-year-old, right, I can see I can see the pull because obviously yeah. us, grow, us growing up, uh, what it was it was none of this live stuff. You couldn't play each other online. You was you play the computer, right? Our pull was professional sportsman, wasn't it? Yeah. You walk up, you you know, you watch match of the day or soccer AM or rugby or whatever, and that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to be professional footballer. Now with all this money in esports and like the rate that it's getting, like how popular it's getting and the rate it's growing and the money involved. I, I can see why why your kid would rather sit in the warm, turn up yeah. console and play. I do think that's an effect. Like, um, like, yeah, go sorry, on. Sorry, for us as well, especially just for us, the way we, even though we had phones, you'd like it weren't when I'm talking like we're probably mid, uh, stone ages in a minute. Fella, but, nobody was going to be professional in Snake, were they? No, exactly. <laughs> I, I, but but when you spoke to people, you text somebody who had ten pound to pay in the goal. There was no contract. <laughs> uh, Saws run out of credit. <laughs> used the blue Bluetooth destination unknown. The song I was absolute bagger, and I would take up all the data. But now, if you want to speak to me, you put your headset on and you play you play games. You're having a good yeah. talk to her all night. You don't have to go down and play football. You do, and I think. Social media has a massive impact on it. Working in a ju- in in junior sports, social media does have a massive impact on it. You see it now more than ever. Like when I was under 15s, when I was under 16s, yes, we went house parties. Yes, we went went out and you know we. But now, especially when I was working in school, like you're you're saying you're eight, so 12, 13, you go to house parties on a Saturday night. You're drinking, like I used to when I was uh, worked in St George. I won't mention obviously, but I had the year eights coming up to me and going, "All right, sir, what was you up to again?" I was like, "Ah, nothing." Was one of dark roots? I'm like, maybe, but they like they were like, "Yeah, I was I was on the dark roots out there." They like 13 years of age, so no wonder when they're not playing like on a Friday night they be doing the same. So no wonder when they're not playing football or rugby on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. Because they've got other, there's other pulls. The social media, TikTok, is one that is not popular to be a good footballer, or a good rugby player at the minute. In my, in my opinion, it might be totally, totally against what people think. But at the minute, unless you're really, really good at your sport at your age, it's not popular to be that. I think there's, I, there's players yeah. who, who get into the age grades and they're like, oh, they've done their they problem, but if you know that, it's not popular to be a, an half-decent rugby player or half-decent footballer, half-decent cricketer, half-decent hockey player. I, th- I think you've knocked on the air, Debs. I think there's a lot more going on for the juniors now in terms of outside of sport. But yeah. I think there is a thing around, you know, like quick fame. Yeah. Or, you, know, you mentioned like the social media platforms there on like TikTok and stuff. You, you can get famous overnight and stuff like that. But obviously, sport takes years and years of work and dedication and sacrifice and all that stuff. We've we've talked about this before. 
around how much it does take to get to an elite level. Um, but again, something like that at the same time affects participation in the same way. And going back to Jimmy Sport and the barriers around the cost, not just facilities, but a games console costs, you know, a couple hundred pounds here in there, right? But yeah. once you but once you've bought it, you've bought this sort of thing. And then you've got it. But then to, to play the actual sport, you're talking about new pair of boots. Ridiculous money looking at the price of them. Yeah. Then you're looking at the training packages to join a club. Another couple of hundred. Then week like weekly subs to pay for pitch permits and training. That's us working out a lot more than a console does. Yeah. Plus petrol, I- driving kids up and down the country or whatever. You know, I get it if some parents are like, do you know what? Easier life as well. Yeah. On a game. I you know I get and I completely get that. And that's no, that's literally no one's fault. But how many times do we sit on a club or we done the rugby club and one of the you know one of the boys down there is going, Oh, do you know what so and so he just won't get off he just won't get off the PlayStation. Can't mm. get him off. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think along uh, I, I think along with COVID, it's just like a recipe for disaster with participation. But on the flip side, what we've seen since starting this pod on our uh, media chance and stuff, and we talk about community strength, don't we? And stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of work the clubs are doing to drive participation up, make it as accessible as they can. I think, you know, you're talking about Tony got in touch with us um, around junior uh, junior football, didn't he? Um, yeah. And he mentioned as well um, the Boot Room, another yeah. initiative, you know, a charity that helps provide kits, boots, training, accessories for, for teams and stuff for and those that might be struggling. I no, I first time I'd heard of that was today when I read that tweet, um, which... Like what an initiative to start with, Trump, that's amazing. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a, you know I think stuff like that needs to be shouted from the rooftops, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think uh, when we're on about sport initiatives, I think it just shows how good. It just shows what good sports people are. That all these clubs now, especially in Batalba and Leaf and Batalba, even though we're not playing, they're still thinking, right, what can we do to help the community? Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to provide the food banks. We're going to look after mental health. We're going to... And that's amazing. I know you've got a couple of initiatives which you want to shout out about. Um, obviously, we've, we've seen uh, Travailing have done stuff with mental health, but now they're doing stuff with the food bank as well. Um, I know the rugby clubs have done so much with like Baglan and the Baglan and the Stars or Baglan more important more predominantly yeah. with um uh Team Ruby um sorry Team Bobo they've done stuff with Team Ruby as well which is amazing the Stars have helped along the way the Quins have helped with food banks um that's they're just amazing things to do and that just shows the community strength but the the mindset of sporting clubs to think, right, we're not playing, but what can we do in the community to help out? And that, and and that's what I that's that's why I love Batalba. That's why I love the sport. That's that just in, embeds everything that we're on about about this pod. I think, well, it, it, exactly everything we've mentioned on the pod so far, um, and the initiatives clubs are doing without any sport on. Let's remember that there's no sport on whatsoever at the minute, and clubs yeah. are still doing a ridiculous amount. Two two big shout outs, you know, we'd like to just mention on this pod quickly. Um and it and it's purely these are the two we've seen on our Twitter. So 
please, by all means, if, if any clubs are listening, if you have got any initiatives that are going on at the moment that um, you'd like us to promote or, or get the mess out there, please get in touch. But um, obviously, we saw Travailing um, are looking into um, free school meals as well and food banks on the back yeah. of Max Rad, uh, Rashford and Giants Grave are doing unbelievable things for the free school meals at the minute. Um, you know, down the ferry. I spoke to uh, Chris Pemberton earlier from uh, from Giants Grave, and they and they done 110 meals today. That's, that's unbelievable that effort is. from the boys in there. So that's I think I, I think a massive toast to them to yeah. the to Giants Grave. Keep the work going, lads. Absolutely brilliant effort that is. Um, I think well, I th- I think the Critic Club this week were doing um, give blood as well. I think I, I think yeah, I saw that pop up. Like and that's and that's and that's why we say like doing this pod just to advertise what the great town is. We're not the biggest town. We're not. I think the amount of stick we get, especially the amount of stick against Somerset, and half of them don't even know where we're talking from. But you always hear about oh it's a bit of a rough area, sister. That the people involved in Bertolbert is second to none. You won't go anywhere else in the world and say and and meet people from Bertolbert like you do. And that's in in the sporting in this sector from what we talk about. You meet so many different people, but everyone is willing to do something to go the extra mile for people. Um, for example, like. Even going back, like the stuff with Darren, no, Darren, like Darren Williams, good friend. His funeral, there was people from like every sporting background just wanting to come and pay their respects. And that, that, that's what all about to a, to a tea. You, you, if you had five pounds in your pocket, you'd make sure it would go to a good cause. Maybe not Josh, because you won't buy your own. But. Whoa. Whoa! Hey, hey, I know it, but like no, but you know what I mean. Everyone's trying to help out someone else, and and I, and that's what I love about Portalbert, and it is we've we've waffled on a little bit, you know. But it's, it, this is what the pod's about, mate. It we've is got a structure, and it's we just meander through it. Right? We just talk about how much we love Portalbert, and, and like I said in the last part, I'm I'm bloody proud to be from Portalbert, and and what what it does and it does it warms your heart when you hear stuff like that and and i gotta stop now <laughs> tell me all but i think uh i think for just with a massive toast but all but everyone keep my good work going it's quality i think uh i think we probably well, we got one more topic to discuss Ford, and we've got a few um ultimate junior teams we like to work through and some memories but our last point, I think, uh, which we like to talk about, we've, we have mentioned it on every single part, I think. So me and Ford are obviously not coming across as bitter men at all. At no. all. But uh, no, our, our final point is, is just talk about um, academies. It's, I don't think it's so much the running of them, Ford. I think it's the discussion around, you know, do clubs start their academies too young? I think, I, I think is the question that we want to discuss here. I yeah, and I put a poll out earlier, and it again it was eighty six percent said yes about are they bottlenecking youngsters in the one sport. When I look back, I think it was a bit too much gen- too generalised as a question. Um, 
look, again, like I said, we're not, it's, we sound like we're really bitter. Um, oh, Ford, 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 I am, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not, obviously. No. Um, you know, the academies do great stuff, um, really, really good stuff, but in some sports, I really don't understand the thinking behind uh, having a, a, a kid in at seven, six or seven. Mate, I think I read somewhere Man City were going to end at six. Like, what what is game? Like, we just said, no, we we literally said at the start of the pod about what we love about young, youngsters playing football is just go and play. Then you're going into academy or Man City. What, what what are you getting from that? I I, th- I think the wording that you used earlier was spot on in, in in terms of starting academies at that young an age. Even if you start them under nines, right? You are bottlenecking those youngsters into one sport. Now, yeah. going back to when we were playing junior sport, you know, in the winter, up until the age of probably thirteen, fourteen, played football on a Saturday, rugby on a Sunday. Yeah. Up, 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 up until it got to like 14, 15 when rugby started being played on a Saturday and then you had to make a, a decision. But, short, but at that point when you're 13, 14, you've got a good idea, haven't you? Yeah. In, in, in terms of which one you're best at and then, or, or, or which one you enjoy more shouldn't be the, the thing going there. But, uh, and then you pursue that, don't you? Right? Yeah. Um, and growing up that way, I'm I'm I, I'm happy I grew up when I did because I had all the opportunities in the world to play whatever sport. And then when it came to an age to decide, it was an easy choice between what I'm better at or enjoy more. Right, sound. Um, obviously on the flip side, cricket in the summer, football in the winter is easy, easy to play too. Then right. But now, if you if you're thrown into academy at the age of five, the age of five now. Yeah. And you just automatically play football then, right? Just play football. And then say you're good enough to get to under-14s and then you're released, like a lot of youngsters are. You leave that then just knowing football. You've not tried rugby. You've not tried cricket. You've not tried any other sport, hockey, golf, whatever it may be. And then you're sort of stuck there then to a certain extent because you're, you know, eight years behind everyone else in terms of yeah. playing a sport. Um our view on it is kids should be kids in sport and play as much as they can every opportunity they get. They should play any sport, whatever it is. And then when you get to an age like 13, 14, where you begin to make your own decisions, then have an academy system. Yeah. And what and what we're doing is, like, I think, especially um, in the last, last five, six years, the tradition is kind of broke. So um, normally the... Dewar Shield would play on a Saturday morning, so that's under 15s Abraham schools where you would have to say, right, you've got to play instead of football. They've moved to Friday, they've moved to play Wednesday to accommodate that because they know kids want to play football as well as much as they want to play rugby or yeah. they want to do other sports. So it's a big ask to do a couple of sports like that. But like, I remember being in under 12s and a Guy Alid Thomas, who was developed off, a great guy living in Canada now. We would train in the summer during pre season, we would do a different sport every week. So we'd play basketball, we'd play rounders, we'd play bloody frisbee, we'd do everything because there's so many 
skills that can be transferred into rugby. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, and that's what I think the academy is a bottleneck in people into it. Um, I think when you look at England, England got a kind of spot on with academies. I spoke to a colleague of mine. Harlequins, for example, had six academy players. Six signed. There was other people obviously in and out. There was signed, yeah. signed academy players. They told them, go to university, go to college, go and enjoy yourself. Obviously, look after your body. We'll monitor you. But told them, you're not going to play for Harlequins in the next two, three years. You're not. You're still contract to us. Go and enjoy, like Don Bra- Alex Dombrand. Everyone's like, oh, he was. They didn't spot him in his final year of Cardiff Met. He'd signed yeah. in the first year of Cardiff Met. But they told him, you're never going to play for Alequins in the first two years. Go and enjoy your uni. One region, I'm not going to mention the region, but one region in, in Wales had 37 players on their academy books at one stage. How many of them 37 are going to play for the first team? Well, I. Uh- I was, I was going to bring up a stat I read earlier, right? Um, and it was around... So the majority of clubs now, whatever sport, have got like an academy system at the age of nine. Right? We discussed this earlier, yeah. right? The stat earlier, less than half of 1% of intake from that age actually go on to make it. Less I than 1%. I mean, this is a good documentary for the listeners. Right? I mean, if you... Well, Hunger in, no hunger in paradise is about academy football it is and, and how um, youngsters deal with it etc etc it's a good watch it's on BT Sport but that just shows like I think um, when we spoke to Tony the Lido coach he's talking about academies they they obviously his opinion is yes they, they, they give him the uh, what professional academy makes the right for the for the boy or girl to to make the decision at nine years of age, but they'll always have that golden rainbow of a professional contract. Yeah, they're always promised the world, and yeah. they. Yeah, if you're in the system, promise the world. Got a chance, you know. You always got a chance if you're in the system. I think I think growing up right with academies, and this is just this is just personal. This is like growing up. I think like my parents' biggest focus to me was always like get your education first, make sure you get your education first. And if you if you're good enough, at the same time, great. But you've always got your education to fall back on. Yeah. I think I think the more that's gone on now, right, with the more academy set up, the younger the age they're into. You know, we're talking about under under five, you know, under sixes. Some of them, some of them, the standards under nine, right. All of a sudden, they promised the world. They grew up through that. All the age groups, main focus football, main focus whatever, and then they get released at say 16 right and, and that start of less than one percent was to go on and make a living from football that's not just yeah. making it as an elite level that's going on to play league two you know make enough to get by and it links into the mental health conversation we had last uh, in, in the last pod all our pressure growing up for, from such a young age to get released then when all your main focus is just on that to get released and nothing at the end and unfortunately, it does have the ultimate consequences now. And I think in in the week, in really, really sad news, that youngster yeah. from Man City, yeah, absolutely, um, got released at seventeen, I think he was. Um, and it 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 just it just shows, you know, everyone sold the dream at that point, but there is a bigger picture. I think. Um, I think the point we're trying to get at really 
is, you know, we agree with the poll we had in earlier. Academies are set up far too young. Yeah. Far, far too young. And it links in again with the expenses and expenditure costs for parents and kids. You know, for, you know, the age of eight, forking out for kit, forking out for um, academy costs, forking out for travel all around the country. Because, you know, you know, these leagues they play in are not close. No. You know, every weekend it's like Man City down to Cardiff. Do you mean? Yeah. Especially, you know, for a nine-year-old, it's it's mad. Absolutely mad. Um, But, you know, on the flip side, as you said, got to remember, they do brilliant work as well. I get that completely. Yeah, exactly. And and I've kind of worked closely with academies and I've got to commend some of the the people that are great. And and some of the work they do and and in players they produce is brilliant. But... Obviously, we, we're looking at it at a neutral point of view as well, that realistically, a large number of their players are not going to get in there. I think a last point in this as well, around the academies at that young an age, is it takes those players away from their um, home clubs as well. Yeah. So, in that process of growing up that we mentioned earlier, about how you're making friends through your local club, and they're your mates when you get, you know, like me now, you know, late, well, I say late twenties. That's very generous. Twenty nine, um, <laughs> but you know, but all, all, all my mates are boys I played with since I was like eight. Do you mean? Yeah. yeah. But when you're pulling these kids out of clubs at nine to go play in an academy, and then they're released at fifteen, they come back into an environment that they they've missed out on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think this is another point that, you know, we can't wait to have guests back on so we can get an insight into people closer to junior sport because, you know, our views might be a bit outdated. You're not really in a position to, to make a big comments. But, you know, that's I think that's our point of view. Like sort of getting across around, oh, it's just way too early. Way, way too early. Yeah. Especially, uh, it is. I mean, it, you've got to think of the players, yeah. The kids' welfare and the parents' welfare as well, of having to deal with a um, a child who's been rejected, don't think they're good enough, which, you know, is sometimes a tragic effect in the week. But, Josh, I think that's, uh, that's enough for you, Richard. That's enough of us old lads being bitter about what could have been for. Yeah, right. I'm after uh, what those. We've right, got, got it. We were um Mate, we're on for a record here, fella. Yeah, we've been fucking gone. We've got long, yeah. Uh, I, I just I just hope this records and we can release it because this will have been a good hour hour and twenty minutes of a complete waste of time. Yeah, I agree uh, with you. Um, so we got, right, well, we got we go on. So we have like, you know, it's it's really exciting for us at the minute. I think we 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 are getting a bit I am certainly getting a bit disheartened by obviously the um, lockdown because we got really exciting stuff coming up. With we spoke, uh, I know Josh has spoken to um, Craig Whelan, who's uh, now analyst in Australia, Ty Bark boy, another boy doing well at all. But we've got so much stuff lined up for Christmas, some Christmas specials. Um, we've got so we got, many things. Know, we got the stuff with Trevelyan and Mind. Miles Marauders and we women's sport, yeah, women's disability sport. Um, I think I think by popular demand we're going to try to do a Iron Man special with um, the Phillips brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Which will be one to listen into. Um, as you said, before we got a couple of Christmas 
specials. We, we're trying to get some big guests in, aren't we? We're trying our yeah. best. Look. Big, big in more ways than one. Yeah. A big in in physicality, ego, uh, everything, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we're trying to get a live show in as well, and we were hoping for a live show, a couple of live shows. But uh, uh, I mean, Right, I mean, that's a way off, because we literally can't do one over... Like yeah, top teams in a minute, so exactly. So but, we, yeah, but we've got we're we, we, to do stuff like that. We got two segments left of this podcast, so we're not going to bore you for too much longer and walk yeah. on. We got a sport and memory of the week, and now what we're going to do? I'm going to do a my best eleven football from junior um, from junior sport, and Ford is going to do his best fifteen from junior rugby. Well, right. I thought we'd do this Christmas special. Oh, I'm, I'm, I I picked Mington, so. I, right, I'll tell you what, I'll do mine now. Yeah. I'll do it very slowly for you, so you can have a think about your 15 minutes. Right? Oh, do you want me to do my 15 for the next pod? <sighs> Sounds like you bought a Lafford, but uh, yeah, you can save I, the next I, pod if you want. You told me Christmas, it's on the WhatsApp group. That's, that's the next point of the next one. If, if it's on the WhatsApp group. If it's on the WhatsApp group, I will chin a point the next one. Whoever's, whoever's wrong, you'll have to chin a point on the right. next one. Tell you what, right. I will name my ultimate junior 11. And then we'll move into our junior memories of the week and we'll wrap this up. Right. So obviously we can pick ourselves. So number one in goals, Josh Tobin. Uh, I've gone for a 4-3-3, Ev. Go on, then. So I've gone for a back four of uh, left back from the ferry, Luke Pearson. I've gone for a centre-back partnership with Matthew Bynan. Um, and a lad I played with for Potomac called Josh Warnercott from up in Kimler, a.k.a. Frank. Um, my junior memory is actually about Frank, so, so listen up for that. Um, and a right, I'm struggling for right back. It's just, it sounds dreadful. I couldn't think of any. <laughs> but um, What about you going to be Michael Samuel? He was a right wing back legend of the bag, Michael Samuel's too good for this team, Ford. He's on, he's on <laughs> God level, he is. Um, Chris Tobin came up with a name. He, he rang me before this, so I do remember. He, he did do a stint in midfield, but Craig Whalen, a right back. Oh, the uh, the guy we just, the Australian uh, analyst. Analyst, the one we just mentioned, yep. Oh. Name drop, obviously. Um, so with a 4 3 3, I've gone for one sitting in front of the back four. Uh, Callum Amford is sitting in front of the back four. Good bloke. Uh, good bloke, very good bloke. Played uh, rugby with the Stars and Quins. Come off a lack of pace, so he's in front of the back four. So he's protecting that back four. Bit of a dog. He was a bit of a dog playing football, he was. Top low Callum. Um, and then in front of him, I've gone for Rory Healy, currently playing for Britain Ferry Clan Sowell. Angrier bloke. Mm. I might I might have to have two junior memories here because one of them includes him, and it's hilarious. Um <laughs> And partner him in the centre. On the left-hand side is a, a very good friend of the pod, Remy Whitlock. Ah, oh, Remy, left foot. And then I've gone for a front three, two of which I think everyone our age, their, their mouths would be watering at the prospect of this partnership. Right, two of the front three, Aaron Jones from Ty Bark, known as Azza, yeah. and Casey Thomas. Oh, right? baby. The third member of that front three is going to be Christian Lodwig, known as Lumu, purely because he started up front in one game in junior football, which was Lido in the final done Trevelyan, and we won 2-0 and he scored a brace. From <laughs> Usually centre-half. But just for everyone listening, especially the Lido boys, could you imagine 
could you imagine Aaron Jones holding a ball up off the chest and just playing Casey in either side? That's, a, that's unreal, that is. Could, oh, undefendable, some say. But yeah, 4 3 3, that's what I've gone for, fella. Yeah. Um, do you want to do the memory first, or do you want me to get mine out the way and then you bring up the rear? I, I'm easy, mate, you know me. Tell you what, I'll, I'll sandwich you, right? I'll have two yeah. of So, first memory of junior football uh, involves Josh Warnercourt, I've just mentioned. Boy from Kimbler played centre back for us. Um, played Boys Club of Wales as well. So, we played a semi final down at the Talbot Ground, under 16, I think it was, uh, playing Kyra. Jonathan Hood was playing, actually. Good player. Great player. Uh, kept him out, fella. Kept him Clean out. Feet. Clean sheet, fella, 2-0. Lovely. Nice. Um, so during that game, Frank went in for a big tackle, got up, started limping a bit. Oh, my foot's hurting, but I'll crack on. Played the rest of the game, played 90 minutes. We played Lido on the Wednesday in a League Cup final, but we won uh, a 2-0. He played 90 minutes, walked off. Oh, my foot's still hurting. He went to hospital the next day, broke his foot in three places. <laughs> Played two, played two full games in 90 minutes with, with three uh, three breaks in his foot. Um, uh, Mr. Welsh Cup final, which we lost 3-1 to uh, uh, to Lido with. But um, I think Remy and Rory and the Lido boys will uh, will back me up on this. He was a he was a bit of an hard nut, was Frank. To Frank. To Frank. Josh Warnicott. What's yours, fella? My sporting memory is going to be my last junior game as a rugby player. We played, so set the scene the year before. We'd never been to an Ospreys Cup final. We're a good side with the, with the Green Stars. Really, really good side. We've just never been to an Ospreys Cup final. So under 15s, we beat Bridgend Athletic away in the semis. Massive achievement. We're, we're on the road. We're going to play uh, Porth Call in the final. Anyway, three, four weeks before we played Porth Call in the 15s, I break my ankle, dislocate my ankle, break my tibia and fibula at the same time. Out, not going to be able to play in crutch, on crutches. Game over for Ford's. Ford's not going to be a, like A bit like when we were only broke his metatarsal and everyone was like, sweating over, is he going to be fit for the World Cup? I, I, I was never going to be there. It was, it was game over. So, we lose that game 18-0. I felt, we as a team felt that we, we hadn't given everything we had. Funny enough, I was captain our year as well and we lost the final. Standard, standard for Cooksley losing, losing big games as, as a captain. Um, so, the next year, funny enough, like the captaincy got taken off me. Cheers, Dad. Um, but we we get to the final again. We play in Pove Call, our last game as a as a group. Now, so we'd grown up from under under nines to under sixteens. You know, it, it's it was a massive thing. Best mates from school, best everything. Sunday, I remember Sunday for me, Landarcy, Pove Call. So the start off, Pove Call were pretty. They were a very good team, very very good team. Um. So they're out warming up seriously, and uh, we we say uh, we'll play some stuck in the mud. So we're playing stuck in the mud for the warm up final, final of, the, of the Ospreys Cup. 
everyone's out there doing out doing a team run. We were uh, doing stuck in the mud. We didn't do a team run before the game. We we just went straight into the game. So we held on. We we were nine nil up half time. Give it two and four. They scored straight after half time. A great try. And we're thinking we're under the cosh again. Yeah, we we it, we haven't given enough. The best memory of that game. We have a, a line out about 25 metres out, and there's pictures to go over it with it. Middle ball, catch and drive. We have a 25 metre more. We go over, try. Then we go over again, try. We're 23 9 up. The game was won. Boys, boys, boys were on the party. Boys were on the bus. Beers, beers were on the fridge. Uh, we, we, they scored last play. We won 23 16. But that day was probably the best day as a junior because. Even though we were going to the youth and we were all playing together, we were merging with another side. We were great boys as well. I mean, they're still my best mates these days. But it was just our last game where we said, right, we got we haven't got another chance after today to win an Ospreys Cup as a group. And we've done it. And um, it was probably one of the best. It, it, if we could take me back to it now, I'd relive that day. Ten times over because it was such a good day, and fi- and and coincidentally that they videoed the game before the year before when we lost, but there was no video of the game when we won, which is a bit of a a downer on it because I would love to watch that game every single day because it was just playing for your mates and everyone knew that we were up against it. We were underdogs ten times over because of what happened the year before, and we just absolutely dominated the game from minute one and. Uh, and I, that is probably my favourite sporting memory as a junior, maybe my favourite sporting memory of all time because of the background to it and everything. And uh, Osprey's Cup, baby. Toast to Osprey's Cup, baby. Osprey's Cup, baby. No, I. To, to be fair, I think, and that's exactly what junior sports about. Isn't it? I, yeah. I think. I think to be fair, that 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 finishes this pod perfectly. This does. Um, a memory like that, and that's and that is what it's all about. Growing up through junior sport is is making those friendships, having those memories together, um, which you take on forever. You, yeah, know, when you, you know, when you're going yeah. through the rest, is it's brilliant things like that you can look back on, and you know, and just think, you know, what a time. And I, th- I, th- I think probably is it, I tell you what, we're going to be deep here for a part, don't we? Um, mm, I know. You know when, I, I think uh, no. I think when you see kids out with days, I think that's probably one of the most things I'm jealous of. I think when I, you know, I, I look back, I don't think um, I don't think you realise how good you got it in junior sport until until you make it into the the big bad world as it is. And I think you sit there, we we especially working in a school environment, you've seen every like you with your best mates all day, all day every day. Like, even though you've got best mates outside of school, you've got, mates, you've got your best mates in school. Like, uh, one boy now, Jack Phillips, absolutely loving the bits. We obviously been in Australia, but we were like, just to spare, he, like, to spend an hour with his time now and you cry in. I'm just spending five days a week with him and just laugh. Want to chin him? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, fucking hell. No. But it's like you're spending five days a week with your best mates. And all the boys I play with the Quins now, like Daisy, Connor, uh, Bynan, they were all they were all a year younger than me. So you were spending like five days a week with this massive thing. And then we went into sixth form and we were playing youth rugby. We youth sports could be a, a topic on its own. 
you're just spending time with your mates all the time. And I think until you're out of it, you don't realise it. And, and then when you tell someone as who's 14, 15, like, make the most of it, school, it's not, school's the best days of your life, not for school. It's for spending time with your mates. I think uh, I think the star of Parliament's had a, an effect on us here, for I think we've yeah, uh, I know, I, we've I, delved I, I, a rabbit all of. We have, we have, and that's Julia Sports too. before before Ford has a breakdown, uh, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Um, yeah, yeah look, tell I'm going back to work Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look. Um, yeah, once again, look, we set up this pod initially to cover junior, um, junior, but the photographer sport across the board um, throughout the season, you know, and, and talk about games and stuff. Obviously, we can't do that at the minute, but we uh, we do appreciate the the support we've had in doing this and, and the feedback and things. Um, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to get a guest back on and have a bit more of a structured chat about yeah. actual topics. <laughs> This is just gone. This is this is being that's just waffling on. So um yeah, without further ado, I'll I'll sign off. I think I think the message to take home is kids, if you're listening, enjoy your junior sport, don't wish it away, don't turn out like me and Ford (laughs) rambling on a podcast for what could have been. Um don't drink strong drama. Don't drink so and in the words of the bootlegger. Do you want to finish that off, Ford, or do you want me to do it, fella? Yeah, I done it last week, couldn't do it this week. Oh, hang on, I forgot. I completely forgot what he says now. If you can't be good, don't be bad, baby. Baby, stay safe, Master. everyone. Master. Catch you next week. Yeah. All right. The the next few minutes is going to be me trying to close down this fucking Microsoft <laughs> team. Just so 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 you you can stop listening now. You can stop listening. Um. Yeah. Stop recording. Bye bye.